everyone and welcome back to Office Hours here at the Professor's Kitchen where I sit down in my office with my beverage of choice and I do have a nice little glass of wine tonight because I'm treating myself and also we're in the middle of a huge move so I had to pack up all of my wine and ship it and anything that was open I was not allowed to ship so I have to sip instead of ship this little bit of wine, but I'm not complaining because I have a wonderfully lovely, brilliant guest with me again here. And I cannot wait to chat with her about all of the wonderful things that she's been doing. Uh, I follow her on social media and we pretty much are just social media friends, which is kind of weird sometimes, but in this case, it's the coolest kind of weird ever. It's, yeah, it's the coolest kind of weird ever. Um, and she happens to, to live in one of my favorite places ever, one of the, my favorite places that I've ever lived in Texas. So um, I'm going to read this off of my notes so I do not get your title wrong because it's, it's as we, we like to say here at the Professor's Kitchen, it is an evolution of a title. You've, you're, you're, you're creating your own space. You're creating your own title. So I don't want to get anything wrong. This is... Professor Chrysler Bailey. She is professor and functional medicine health coach, which I don't even know what that is really. So I can't wait to talk to you about all this and find out exactly what that means. Um, I know that you are currently a professor of sociology, but where did you start in this whole journey to being who you define yourself as now? Oh gosh, that, um, it's a good thing you have some wine because it, it's going to be a while, right? This is, this is quite the journey. <laughs> um, so for my education, where I originally started was I, I was a biochemistry major. I was, wow. I know <laughs> I was planning to be a doctor, specifically a pediatrician. Awesome. And, um, so that's really where I thought that I was headed. And, uh, yeah, I went through my first two years of undergrad, you know, did the biology, did the inorganic chemistry, did the physics, did the genetics, like did all of that. And then, and I hit or in, um, organic chemistry. Mm -hmm. And once I hit organic chemistry, I was like, no, thank you. I'm out. You are not um, the only one. It's so funny that you said that because that's how I started too. And it's oh like, oh, you have to take organic chemistry. I was like, thanks <laughs> for the memories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two semesters of that. I mean, I was good with calculus. I was good with genetics. I was good with <laughs> physics. But when I had those two semesters of organic chemistry, I was like, uh -uh. no, we can, we can go ahead and be, and be done. Um, but of course, at that point, I was two years in yeah. and my mama had said, you have four years on our money. So, I, you know, so I was like, yes, I'm already two years in. What do I do? How do I switch? How do I make these first two years work for me right. and still get out in four years? And so um, in high school, I had taken a semester of psych and a semester of social, and I really was drawn to sociology. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to major in. So I switched my major and I actually added a minor of community health. Awesome. And the last two years, 
although they were really, really hard because I had to pack in a whole lot of classes, um, I just loved my classes. I loved my professors. I loved the discussions. Um, and little did I know that sociology has all these different um, kind of many disciplines within. Yeah. And so, you know, medical sociology or sociology of health and illness was what I actually took in school. Okay. I was like, wow, this is, this is it. So I still had that draw to health. I still had that, you know, mm-hmm. like love of health and medicine and all of that. And so mm-hmm. I could kind of bring that together with sociology and then pull that in with my minor of community health. Yeah. And that really was what I did for, for school, for undergrad. Wow. That is so impressive. And that's, that's already showing so much growth as a person, even at that early stage where you're like, you know what, this is not for me. It takes a lot of like introspective, really looking deep at yourself and saying like, this is not the right path for me. I really need to get myself on the right path for me. Um, And coming back from taking those two years, like that's a lot of time. People don't realize, I don't think when they start college, that two years goes by so quickly. And that mm-hmm. first two years, you're really only doing a lot of your prereqs, but it's mm-hmm. a lot, like it's a lot, it's a lot of work in yep. the first two years. And for me, I know within that first two years, I had to declare a major. And that was yes. when I was like, uh, I don't think this whole science thing is going to work out for me too well. A little nervous. Yeah. But it was also, there was a turning point, like, like you said, with the, there's one specific class, you really enjoy that one class. Sometimes you have to listen to that little voice in your head. That's like, Mm -hmm. oh no, I loved that. I really loved that. Because for me, it was English. I took a medical terminology class and I was like, I really love all these words. Like, I really think I love all these words more than I love the application of them. And that for me was like, it, it, like a light bulb went off and I was like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be an English professor. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a yeah, great idea. Awesome. It was, it was, it was a really, it was a big moment for me because like you said, my mom said the same thing. She was like four years on my dime and that's it. So you, I really had to make a quick decision and a, mm-hmm. a big kind of what seemed like at the time, like a life-changing decision. Uh, There was a whole lot of silence on the other end of the phone when I told my mom that I declared my major in English. She was like, that's not what I sent you to college. (laughs) That's not what we agreed to. What? No, no. But I think she got it and she definitely gets it now. She's seen the the flexibility that I have and, and you too, like, so you graduated with your degree in sociology mm-hmm. with sort of an emphasis then it sounds like on on medicine and um and health healthcare already mm-hmm. so you're already mm-hmm. still interested in healthcare and what did you do then after you graduated that's such an interesting question <laughs> um so i didn't really know what i wanted to do and because i hadn't i didn't really know a lot of people who had sociology degrees, I didn't really know like what you could do with it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the olden days, when I went to college, there wasn't like a career center, you know, there wasn't a group of people 
around to kind of help you figure that out. It was like, mm -hmm. you go, you know what you're going to do. You major, you, you graduate, and then you go into that area. So, yeah. um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I actually started applying for jobs in the area of sales. And um, specifically pharmaceutical sales was where I was, you know, applying for jobs. And um, interestingly enough, the job that I ended up in, though, was sales, but it was in consumer sales. I worked for a very large um, consumer sales uh, uh, company. Okay. And so um, my, I, I graduated, you know, in May and um, I started my job not long after that. And my very first day of work was a launch of a brand new product. Oh. So I flew to Florida for a national sales meeting. Wow. <laughs> and that was literally my first day of work, like walking into this big ballroom with all of these different people for this national sales meeting and um, this big launch that we were having, this product that was coming out. And so that's how I started off um, in the working world wow. uh, in terms of, you know, after I graduated. So, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely very different than uh, what I had expected. <laughs> and um, it was it was quite the uh, it was quite the interesting introduction. <laughs> so how long did you last in that field before you then transitioned into something else? Not long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not long. I knew within a few months that that job was not for me. Okay. Um, I was like, this, this just doesn't feel right. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it was good money. I had great insurance and I had a company car and mm. you know, all the things that you would want to have when you are a brand new graduate. Right. Um, you know, it was a big name company and it was a good job and, you know, solid benefits and all these different things, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't right for me. And yeah. Of course, at that point, I was like, well, what do I do? You know, because I'm live. I was living on my own. I, I had moved to a new state. So my sister was about 45 minutes away. So that was good. Oh, that's but, nice. you know, yeah. my parents were, were, you know, back at home and yeah, I didn't have any family or friends in the area except for my sister. Mm. Um, and of course she was married and had children and all that. So I yeah. couldn't really encroach on her. <laughs> um, so I was like, I, I need to do something. So yeah. I decided that, you know, maybe going back to school and getting an advanced degree would really help me um, in terms of um, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, maybe kind of extending my non-real life adulthood time, mm -hmm. but also maybe giving me more of um, of a view into what I really wanted to do, giving me more time to kind of experience different things and see what I wanted to do. and. I love sociology. I, I, I knew that that was really something I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So I started to apply to graduate programs. And by the next year, I had gotten into a graduate program in Texas okay. um, and um, and uh, moved, moved back. And I had actually, and I, I'll say that my 
when I was in college, I went to college in New York and my, we were living in Connecticut at the time. And so I had already, I had always wanted to come back to Texas, but I didn't really know how I would get there. And graduate school offered me that path back to Texas. Mm. So, um, I, you know, I applied to graduate schools all over the country, but really, um, that was your heart. That was your first choice. Yeah, so UNT <laughs> has a good sociology department. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I it will bring me back to to my home state where I really wanted to be. Right. Um so yeah, so I only worked that job for a year and was was in graduate school the next year uh, after that. And so I um considered double majoring in sociology and health promotion. Yeah, wow. I know. I don't know. But crazy. <laughs> Um, and that's ambitious. Um, it's just really ambitious. <laughs> and, you know, I did really well. I mean, I completed my two years of my master's for sociology mm-hmm. and I actually took health promotion classes as well. Okay. Um, and I, and I continued a year after that in school. Um, but I did, I didn't actually finish and graduate with that degree, but I took about I don't know, 12 hours of classes, 12 to 18 okay. hours of classes in that, in that degree. So I did get some, you know, good academic time and, yeah. and so forth. So again, that, that sociology health thing has, was there, you know, yeah. it, was, it was very much present for me um, at that time for grad school. That's, that's incredible. I, yeah, t- double majoring in grad school, I feel like is just, <laughs> way ambitious I know (laughs) plenty of people who have done it and plenty of people who get one master's degree and are like that that wasn't enough I think I'm going to get a second master's degree and I'm like yeah you don't you don't want to just get a PhD in this one thing (laughs) like a second or third master's degree I mean and it's the funniest thing saying it out loud now because one of the teachers that inspired me and kind of took me under my under her wing when I was in in high school had like multiple master's degrees and we were all like you can't like merge those into say that you're a doctor of something just by getting multiple (laughs) master's degrees or something or yeah I feel like if you double major they should just give you a PhD right just for for the effort (laughs) that's that's incredible so you did you even think then at that point that you would teach with your masters or what did you think what was your plan then for after you finished your your finished grad school Um I had actually sworn off teaching forever and ever and ever um so never say never this is this is the moral of the story never say never y'all because never. there have been so many times where I said I will never and now I'm like I did that thing, didn't I? You know what? Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of getting to the end of my grad school time. Mm-hmm. And of course, again, I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. And a classmate actually suggested that I look into being an adjunct professor just okay. to kind of, you know, make a little money and then give myself some time to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, sure. You know, I'll, I'll try it. So I applied to some different places and I got, (laughs) this is crazy. So (laughs) I, it was the fall semester and I got a call from a college, a two-year college 
that was almost, I would say it was about an hour and 15 minutes south of where I lived. Okay. So it was, it was a hike, but I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm Poe, so I need the money. <laughs> um, and they were offering, they, she said, the dean called and said, you know, I'd like you to come for an interview. I was mm -hmm. like, all right. So I went down for the interview. She literally handed me the books for the class and said, here's your books. The class starts on Tuesday. Yeah. And it wasn't even sociology. Oh. What it was, was it? yeah, it was developmental reading and writing. Because that's where the need is. That's where the need was. Yeah. And so she and was they like, made a body go. in the classroom. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, let's yeah. do this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will tell you that honestly, that was the best experience for me to start out because I had no idea. Let me let me back up for a second. So I grew up in a very middle class home. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, you know, black family, definitely lots of disadvantages or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, um, my parents were very um much advocates of education. Okay. Um, my sister, my mom, and my dad all have master's degrees. Wow. Um, you know, so very well educated, accomplished people, mm -hmm. very supportive in terms of getting education to be able to move up in life. Um, right. anytime I had issues in school, anytime I needed help with my math homework, my dad was there. Like I had tons of support. And so I never really realized that there were people, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds who were at the point where they were basically functionally illiterate. Yeah. So I, this experience of teaching developmental reading and developmental writing really humbled me mm. to realize, you know, one, I lived a pretty good life yeah. um, in terms of my education and, and the support that way. But two, um, I had gone into being a professor with a very different expectation Mm -hmm. And it kind of knocked me down a few pegs. Yeah. And I, and it, and it offered me the opportunity to realize that there are students with a, with a lot of needs yes. that, that just so many times go unrealized, you know, that just they go do. kind of pushed under the carpet. And so that was really my introduction to being a professor that semester, you know, I was teaching students basic vocabulary. I was teaching mm -hmm. them basic grammar stuff. I was teaching them how to write a paragraph with a, with a thesis sentence and right. you know, all these different things. So, you know, while it was definitely baptism by fire, you know, hello, <laughs> just go for it and do your thing. Um, you know, it was, it was a really good experience. So by the next wow. semester, when I started teaching sociology classes, and even teaching orientation, which was like the, you know, first yeah. year college experience, I had a much better, I think a much better grasp on what really needed to be taught and how it needed to be taught and things like that. So that's really how my teaching career got started. 
That's probably the best way that you could have started though. I mean, I, I remember doing something very similar because I started as an adjunct as well at a, at a community college first, and then at a Chicago city college. Mm. And there was even a huge difference between those two demographics. I mean, just the demographics of each school were vastly, vastly different than one another. And I didn't expect that. Um, I think I I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, so I had no concept of what inner city schools, you know, you only hear about it on the news. Yeah. Yeah. And until you experience it for yourself, you don't really have a true concept of what that means, like what the education really, like what they actually learned in Mm -hmm. school until, yeah, you walk into what you think for me. I was offered a developmental class and then didn't end up teaching it. But even with the first year classes that I did teach, I was amazed that the, like you said, the thesis statement, something as simple as, as creating an introduction, creating a thesis statement, the grammar, which I didn't think that I would have to look into very much, you know, as I assume. And I think that when you, when you do grow up like that and you do assume a whole lot and it's, it's hard not to, and you, it definitely takes you down a peg. You yeah just don't realize it. And I actually had a student write it in one of my evaluations that they, they thought that I had taught the class, like it was a grad school course. And I was like, yeah, did yeah. I, <laughs> did I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was floored. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I, I didn't do that on purpose, but now I definitely need to make sure that I'm not doing that again. Like I don't, yeah. I don't need to do that again. Don't let me do that again. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're constantly adjusting, not, not dumbing it down or anything like that necessarily, because they still have to have the same outcome. Of course you, you still have to get them to that level so that they can move on mm-hmm. and take other courses and stuff. But it was, it was, it was really, really eye-opening. So I, I would love for every professor to get that experience when they first start teaching. I think it's priceless, uh, uh, on like additional education, basically for you as a professor mm-hmm. to learn from that experience. It's, it's completely invaluable. And I, I loved it, <laughs> loved it, hated it. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was a love hate relationship, but yep. it was definitely worth it. Totally, totally worth it. So now that you, you, you had this whole baptism by fire and where would you say that you are now because you're I know that you're taking these additional classes because you're clearly dedicated to lifelong learning which again professor's kitchen all day long we love that here continuing education all day long we love that here what are you doing now and what do you plan on doing in the future So now I am also a functional medicine health coach and the classes that I'm taking are through the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. They specifically um, teach you all of the principles of health coaching um, from a functional medicine perspective. And, um, you know, 
personally, I have been on a on a health journey for about five years. Okay. When I left my full time teaching job, so eventually, you know, I did. Uh, I did teach for as an adjunct for a long time, but eventually I did get a full-time teaching job and I was there for about nine years. Okay. But when I left that position, um, I was, I was very, I was very much kind of up in the air mm. because for years mm-hmm. I had been known, even as a part-timer, I had been known as a professor. That was my title. That was, right. that was how people knew me. But when I left that job, um, there was a lot of, um, it was really difficult. There was a lot of unhealthiness in the last few years. I knew it was time to leave, mm-hmm. but it was still hard. You know, you, you still have difficulties with that. Right. Um, but also, you know, I had two small children. Mm-hmm. And so I was a, a a mom of young children. I had just left a full time job where I was very much invested. Like there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, of course, my doctor had been saying, "Well, you're you know you're getting up in age, so you need to be taking multivitamins and all this stuff." So rude. <laughs> all of that together, I just started kind of down this this journey of health. Um, and it started with me, um, partnering with a network marketing company that, um, is really focused on gut health and, and using supplementation to, um, uh, help people improve their, their health status. Okay. And, you know, the first year in, I wasn't really all into it, but I, I, I wasn't all into it in terms of the business side, but I was all into it into it in terms of my personal health and I started to notice just things changing Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't anything huge you know I didn't have a diagnosis that I was trying to battle or anything like that but it was just I could see things just slowly getting better um, as time went on the next year um, my husband and I actually did a, uh, w- with a group of people from this company, we did a three-day bone, bo- bone broth cleanse and transitioned into eating the keto lifestyle, um, you know, that, that type of thing. So um, during that, again, it was like just learning my body, hearing, you know, thinking about what was happening and recognizing changes. My husband asked actually over several months, lost 30 pounds Wow! Um, and he's kept it off since. And, you know, there was just a lot of things going on with just like learning about health. And then I started following doctors on social media and I started reaching out and asking questions, you know, yeah. just, just these different things that were kind of slowly dropping you know, it was like little by little things mm-hmm. were happening and I was connecting with people and asking questions and I hear about functional medicine. So I'm learning about that and connecting with doctors and asking questions. And this whole time still trying to figure out career wise, right. what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, what, what is this going to whole thing going to look like? Um, mm-hmm. I became an adjunct professor again in that <laughs> time and because that's what I knew. That's what I yeah. know I'm good at it. Um, but this time it was at a university. I'd always been at two-year schools before. Okay. This was at a university. Um, and so it was definitely a different climate, a different group of people. 
Um, it's a private, smaller size university. So that was okay. also interesting. Yeah. Um, and I was adjuncting at a public large university <laughs> with a different population. So I was like, these mm -hmm. y'all are just so different. <laughs> There's so different. Lot. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was totally different. So, um, but there was just a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of wrestling with, do I stay in higher education where I'm comfortable? Right. Do I move on to this area that I feel like I'm being pulled towards? I'm being called towards mm -hmm. in terms of health. But what do I do? Like, I, you know, I was applying for jobs and public health departments and, you know, epidemiology jobs and all of these different things. And nobody was hiring me. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling this tug. <laughs> right. I, I know, I feel like this is the direction I'm supposed to go, but how am I supposed to get there? Yeah. There was a whole lot of prayer. There was a whole lot of crying. There was a whole lot of asking people questions. I mean, it was just, it really has been several years of this, just trying to figure out what's happening. Um, but I finally connected, you know, I finally reached out to this doctor that I had been following and kind of built a relationship with. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about health coaching. You talk a lot about it, you know, in your practice, cause mm -hmm. she's a functional medicine doctor. And I said, can you recommend some health coaching programs that, you know, I can look into. Okay. And she did. Um, and I ended up choosing, I ended up choosing the one, you know, that I'm in right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, when I, when I decided to start this program, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And yeah. my husband was supportive. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody was supportive, but that's okay. <laughs> they don't have to be. <laughs> Um, it's my, it's my calling, not theirs. Right. Right. But I just, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I mean, I went through all the things, like I thought I'm, I was going to go back to school and, you know, do the, <laughs> do the graduate school thing, you know, because that's what you do, right? You want more yeah. education, you go to graduate school. And yeah, so I found this amazing program and I studied for the GMAT and, oh. you know, and Lord, I took it and, oh, oh Jesus, like it was. Mm, it was something special. It is. Again, there was oh. never that complete peace about it. Mm -hmm. But when I found this functional medicine health coaching program, it was like, okay, this I have a peace about this. This yeah. is what I need to do. This is the direction I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. That it, It's interesting how the pieces kind of fall together and stuff like that. And especially when you, you know what you want to do, like you said, you know what you want to do. And yeah. you know, for, for me, it's been the whole, the, the pursuit of the PhD is just has eluded, like, it just can't, can't quite, can't quite get into a program, can't yeah. quite get into the right program. I never quite know exactly which direction I'm going to. And, you know, for, for English, like, like with sociology, there's so many different niches and, you know, just kind of smaller tracks that you can go into and focus on different things that it makes it really difficult, especially when you are like me, like kind of scatterbrained and interested <laughs> in a whole lot of different things. Um, but when yeah. you do have those individual classes that you can take and still mm -hmm. make progress towards something that you're interested in, um, I think that, I think we 
definitely need to start removing that stigma that you, you have to get into this program. You have to mm-hmm. have a, a degree in this thing in order to be good at it. Because yeah. like you said, like, like with a master's degree, you are able to exhibit that you have a mastery of a topic of a subject right. and you have that thing that you can put on your wall that says that you've mastered it and you know it's framed and fancy and whatever but that's not always the be all to end all and that Mm -hmm. doesn't always make us happy at the end of the day either yeah and it's not always practical with everything else that you have going on like you said like as a mom you're a working mom you have other responsibilities sometimes getting back into a graduate program is not really necessarily the way to go, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't still pursue your dream and still mm-hmm. work towards your goal. Um, and yeah, there's so many different avenues now, especially with community colleges, having so many different paths and tracts and, you know, different things that you can do for a certificate. I had this, I ran into this one student at graduation um, someone introduced me to him and he apparently just goes back to school and gets random associates degrees and stuff like he's retired. Yeah. And now he just goes and takes classes towards an associates degree and then shows up at graduation is like, and, his, and again, like, and he has a very supportive spouse. His wife is always there at his graduations. And she's like, awesome. yay, baby. Yay. <laughs> you graduated again. We're going to be back here next year. You right. Graduate again <laughs> with a different associate's degree. But something as simple as, like, if that's what makes you happy, mm-hmm. then why not do that thing that makes you happy? There's really no harm in it. And as long right. as you're not you know, wasting boatloads of money on something that's, you know, just frivolous. I think that it, why not just, just go for it. Why yep. not? You know, they're, they're LinkedIn classes now they're, um, you know, all sorts of different certificate programs. They're like free programs that you can do these master classes that they advertise everywhere. Yep. Um, you know, if I wanted to just, I would never quit my job to do cake decorating or anything like that necessarily. But if I wanted to add that on, to my yeah. resume and, you know, do cake decorating tomorrow, then yeah, I could, I could do that. And it would yeah. probably be a lot of fun. And I would be able to still pursue something that I'm, that I'm passionate about. Not that I'm passionate about cake decorating, <laughs> but I am really bad at it actually. Yeah. <laughs> really, really bad at it. And I would now, cake day, eating. Like I could do that. I, I'm a master cake eater, <laughs> but cake decorator. Mm-mm. Not so much. They look really ugly. They taste delicious. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. That's what I do. But yeah, if I wanted to, and I was really passionate about it, I can do it. And I think that that's, again, that's the beauty of online teaching for sure these days. Yeah, uh, It's the beauty of, of community colleges and the beauty of all of these different paths that we have now, especially online. I think, you know, many, many, many different opportunities have presented themselves like you said through social media you can start following someone connect with them relatively easily and have them be sort of a mentor for you too Mm -hmm. and guide you in the right direction and and also tell you what you shouldn't do which is super helpful too like I did this wrong Mm -hmm. don't do it this way (laughs) 
do it this way instead and it'll be easier and better better for you and make you happier in the long run to yeah. do it this way instead. So all of that is is super important and super important I think for our students to know too that you know they that they can definitely look to us as role models of you know going on the straight and narrow but then also pursuing other interests as well that yeah. again the most interesting grown-ups that I know have gone in several different directions at some point yep. in their lives and and have discovered all of the things that they're happy that make them happy um and not just that that one thing for 20 plus years of yes that just and then burnout you know burnout happens after after doing something that one thing for such a long time too so um, my last question for you will be about that work-life balance. So you you do have a family, you do have a career, you're also studying, and will probably very soon be an expert in many, many different fields, not that you aren't already, but um, you'll also be a functional medicine coach in addition to everything else. So what does work-life balance really look like for you then? How do you get in your your me time in addition to everything else? So I am a schedule person. Okay. I love it. I love a schedule. I love my calendar. I <laughs> schedule in everything okay. um, because, you know, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Nope. <laughs> um, I, I say that all the time, whenever like I'm at the dentist, you know, I take the kids to the dentist and they're like, mm -hmm. okay, would you like to schedule, you know, six months out? And I'm like, okay. Yes. And we set up the date yes. and then they're like, would you like the little reminder card? And I'm like, nope, it's in my oh, calendar. Got it. If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> so that is a huge, huge, huge thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I do several things. Um, I use my calendar. Absolutely. Um, I get my family involved. Okay. Um, my kids right now are 10 and eight Okay. and, um, they, they help out, um, you know, they, they don't do a ton, but they, they help out, you know, yeah. and, and from the time that my oldest son was probably about three, I guess, okay. um, you know, I started doing small things to get him um, being a little bit independent. So, mm -hmm. um, one of the things I started doing was I got one of those soft shoe racks and I hung it over the pantry door. Okay. And I put snacks like down at the bottom of the, oh. you know, of the pantry mm -hmm. of the, of the shoe rack, excuse me. And I would, you know, fill it with snacks and things like that. So like in the mornings he could go and get his little breakfast cookies or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he could bring them to me and say, you know, mommy, I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. And then that just kind of started that practice for us of, of my kids, like doing things on their own. And so now, you know, um, for example, uh, tonight, uh, it's a Thursday night and yeah. they, uh, every Thursday, we sort our laundry and my kids bring their laundry baskets down. They sort their laundry. Um, you know, we get all of our, our laundry sorted and then Friday mom does laundry and I, I put it in their baskets and they take it back up and they put it in their room and they put it away. So, you know, just starting to get them involved in, 
You know, I think it, I think it helps them in terms of responsibility, but it also helps me because I don't have to do every single thing, every single step. It takes a little bit off my plate and the bigger they get, the more responsibility they have. But I started them, you know, relatively young ages doing small Mm -hmm. things that were age appropriate so that, you know, little by little they built up. Um, my spouse, I, you know, this has been kind of a difficult thing for me in terms of getting him involved and how to really navigate that. Okay. Um, I have been very independent. I grew up as an independent woman, yeah. you know, um, my parents, yes, they worked together and I, and I saw them work together, but my mom always had a job. You know, she actually worked a full-time job and a part-time job for most of my life. Wow. Um, so, you know, I saw my parents work and I saw um, my mom in, in her independence. And mm-hmm. so I was very independent and I didn't get married until I was 31. So, okay. you know, I was later in life, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it was, I had lived that long and so it was a new thing to navigate to have to ask for help yeah, and, you know, have to tell my husband, I need this, or I'm struggling with this, right. you know, when I would get overwhelmed or when just work was piling up, or I need you to, I need you to put the boys to bed tonight, or I need you to give them yeah. their bath tonight. Can you, can you help me out? Like that was, that was a big pill for me to swallow, yeah. but that also helps um, so much for me to be able to, he puts the kids to bed or whatever, you know, he does the dishes and I can go take a bath, oh. you know, and I can like relax and yeah. like breathe, you know, and just go, okay. And now it's become so ingrained in our routine that when I shut my door, like the boys will knock and he'll be like, no, 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 no. It's mom's time. Oh, so okay. yeah. So it's, it's, it took a while <laughs> for that to, you know, cause they would walk right in. I'd be like, I'm in the bed. Can you, you know, but. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> cause you know, kids, they don't have, they any have no shame. They will just Mm-mm. right through the yeah, door. Let me like in. the Kool-Aid man, just like, yes. Hey, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, something else I did too with my students to create a boundary with my students was in my syllabus, Mm -hmm. I specifically tell them, you know, 24 hours for a response for an email, blah, blah, blah. But I also tell them that Sundays, if they, if they email me on a Sunday, they will not hear back from me. And I specifically tell them in class on the first day that I do this because I believe that I need a rest day. I fully embrace the Sabbath. You know, I fully (laughs) embrace the rest day. And, you know, I, I tell them like, I need a day off. Yeah. So you're not going to hear from me on a Sunday. I love you. I do. I love my job. I do. But you know what? This day is set aside specifically for my family, for Mm -hmm. myself, for my sanity, Yes. So, yeah. Oh so I've, I've really started, you know, just setting those boundaries and being yeah. very clear and upfront 
so that students can't say, well, she didn't respond to me. No, 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 no. You knew. You it's knew. in the syllabus. Yeah. Like, we're not, we're not playing here. No. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know, I know quite a few professors that do that. And it, I definitely think that it's something, I don't know how I've managed to get through this long without doing it. I definitely need yeah. to do it because yeah, like you said, you, if you don't say it up front, they will definitely look for this response and get mm-hmm. very angry when you don't respond. And it's like, yep. no, I, I too need a day off. <laughs> it's really important yeah. for me to also, you, you as a student definitely want me to have my sanity yeah. when I respond <laughs> to this email, because you don't want the crazy professor right. that I was, <laughs> you know, Friday after I finished up that last meeting and grading papers and stuff. You don't want that response. You right. want the calm, chill I just had a bath bomb and a glass of water, a glass of wine response, or I got a good night's rest and it's Monday and I'm ready to get back to the grind. That kind of response. Yeah. That's so important. That is so, so important, but you definitely have to. And we know that students, at least mine still to this day, after many years of teaching, they work on Sunday nights. That is when they do the majority of their work is Sunday, unless you have, I mean, my deadlines are always set for Mondays. So it's probably my fault that they're doing that, but they work right up until the deadline. And most professors, I think, especially with like online classes, the deadlines are like Sunday night or Monday. I always made mine Saturday night. Oh, because I'm like, if you work on Sunday, you're on your own. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and make it Saturday. And that way we don't have to worry about technical issues or mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Too many of us, I think, have that Sunday, Sunday night deadline. So for sure, they're yeah. like right up until the wire. They're like 11.59 points. Yes. <laughs> You're like, mm. okay, yeah, you got it in. Credit. Oh, <laughs> Bless them. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting today during office hours in the professor's kitchen. You can all catch this episode on anywhere you get your podcast. So on Apple podcasts and Spotify, this will also the video of this episode will appear on the professor's kitchen YouTube channel. I will link all of that in the description box in the YouTube and in the show notes on Spotify. So you can check that out as well. And I will include any links that Professor Bailey would like me to include so that you can find her and learn more about functional medicine from her. And maybe she'll be your coach one of these days too, your functional medicine coach and expert on, on lots of different things. Thank you so, so much for joining me today and I will see you online. (laughs) 